Legend Factory Pod. Fellas, LFB Pod 11. Yeah, we're back. Boss. We're back in the studio. In the factory. Oh, it's so, so good. So good to be back. It's nice to have a few more people here. I've been lonely <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It just sounds so much crisper yeah. with the uh, with the microphones, doesn't it? The, the headphones set up. It's mm. yeah, far, far better than being in my cold bedroom, that's for sure. I mean, I haven't um, haven't missed the sniffing and snorting from Cheese because it's a bit harder to hear that over mm, over true. Zoom. But um, look, it's good to have you back, Cheese. Welcome back. Shut up, boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a big week in sports, hasn't it? It has. It's been a great week in sports. Um, I think that's probably one of the only saviours over the last couple of weeks uh, being in lockdown in here in Melbourne has been the fact that we've had lots of sport to watch, which has been great, as opposed to last year when we're all driving ourselves insane <laughs> watching Friends reruns and the like. We, we have, yeah. I've spent uh, many an evening over the long weekend up far too late watching the Euros and uh, plenty of other sport floating around as well, so it's been fantastic. Oh, the Euros have been awesome. Have they? Ever? I was like, I had promised myself last night that I was going to like set my alarm get up for the game this morning, but my alarm went off, right. turned over, snooze. Friend friend of the show, Optus <laughs> Sport, just, they roll out a three-minute, a nine-minute, a 24- and a 45-minute highlights package. It's just absolutely glorious. Yeah, it makes you become a lazy supporter, though, I think, because previously when you only had the option of watching the 90 minutes, you dedicate the time, you'd sit down and you'd watch the 90 minutes. When they throw in a 20-minute condensed version of all the good things, you think, well, like, you know... Get back a few minutes here of the day, and <laughs> I'll be I'll be on my way, you know. And it's just so enticing. Like I can't, and I haven't watched that many full length uh, soccer matches of late, which is poor form, just because Optus do it so well. But to be honest, like from if anything good happens, there's going to be snippets all over any social media. So like you're exactly right. We're becoming lazy supporters, yeah, but yeah. you know what? Maybe we should uh, maybe we should do something like that where we watch a full game each and we can do a review on the pod. Do maybe a, de- do a deep do. dive, maybe a cheese de- deep dive, a cheese deep dive. <laughs> I was just thinking maybe some of our listeners wish they could get like a twenty minute condensed version <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> well, well, stay tuned. A three minutes, a nine minute, a twenty minute Legend Factory. Stay podcast. tuned. That that, yeah, we'll that could be up. on a, could be on the airwaves soon yeah. potentially. Yeah. We'll tell. Cut out cheeses. Euro review every week. We'll talk to me, boys. What have you? Uh, over the last week. Josh, you got a couple of points? Yeah, no, look around the grounds for me this week. Um, sticking with the round ball that we just started off with, one of the things that I found astounding uh, over the weekend was that my boy Cristiano Ronaldo has some of the greatest pull in the world. Now, in case neither of you have seen the clip, basically he lined up for a um, an, an interview and there was two... Uh, got bottles of Coca-Cola sitting on the <laughs> on the desk next to him and he grabbed the bottles of Coca-Cola and moved them out of sight and then held up his uh, water bottle and said agua, which is obviously Spanish for, for water. Um, and it's well documented that Cristiano Ronaldo hates fizzy drinks and he gets really angry at his son for eating chips and fizzy <laughs> drinks and all this sort of stuff. So he just couldn't have them in the shot, Cristiano. So he's moved the Coca-Cola out of the way. Little did he know that, that that precise action caused a $4 billion loss on Coca-Cola's <laughs> bottom line. $4 billion. How do they quantify that, though? They buy the share price. The share price, yeah. It dropped $4 yeah. billion. One, <laughs> 1.6%, which equals $4 billion, got dropped off the, the Coca-Cola share price. That's unreal. Immediately after Cristiano said... Soy latte to the Coca-Cola. Well, just because he doesn't want Junior drinking the fizzy. Yeah, yeah. pretty well, much. I guess he, he 
he's I'm he's pretty sure he's the, the most temple. the most yeah well that but I'm pretty sure he's the most followed person on Instagram or if he's not the most he's he top two mm. or three and I'm, I think it's similar with Twitter as well so he's obviously got some some loyal fans floating around that obviously if he doesn't do it they won't yeah. do it no coke for Ronaldo no yeah. coke for his followers absolutely no, no, no. Stick, I'll go next boss because uh, sticking with the round game and, and you'll you'll be happy this week I've only got two around the grounds um, my one is from the Scottish Premiership uh, and it's got a bit of an Australian flavour to Very it. Very popular with our listeners, Cheese the Scottish Premier. It is, isn't it? Yeah, uh, they get around it. Um, but what it is is uh, probably Australia's <laughs> greatest ever uh, manager. No, I don't mind this. I don't mind this. <laughs> Australia's yeah. greatest ever manager, export, Ange Postacoglu. Who good, good Carlton man. Carlton man. Uh, used to coach Brisbane Raw, Melbourne Victory, then coached the Socceroos to Asian Cup glory, I, I believe it was 2015 has over the weekend or late last week was announced as Celtic's new manager. Um, so that's a that's a huge achievement. He's the first yeah, first ever Australian manager to be a manager in of like a reasonable size club over in Europe. Um, Celtic obviously Scottish Premiership's not the biggest league, um, but Celtic and Rangers which we've discussed a few po- on a few pods before, massive rivalry. Um, they were the first English team to win uh, the UEFA Champions League. It was called something else back in the day. So I just hope does a good job. Fingers crossed he gets the time to do a good job as well. They're they're quite fickle, the supporters up there in Glasgow. Mm. Um, but I believe, I reckon he'll, he'll do a good job. He plays a very attractive style of football. So let's all uh, yeah congratulate and get around Ange for uh, getting a big gig. Good on you, Ange. Definitely a friend of the show. What's your other one, Cheese? Go on. My other one was sort of Euro-related as well, was uh, Patrick Schick. From uh, playing for the Czech Republic, who scored basically from the halfway line against Scotland from any all teams uh, the other night, and they uh, call that a worldie for all those playing at home, don't uh, they? Absolute worldie. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, fifty yards or whatever it is out straight over the keeper's head because the keeper was obviously playing off his line uh, as hit it as clean as you'll see. So good on Patrick Schick. Okay, I like Patty. Not bad. My one comes from uh, the NFL world. It's slowly coming upon us, which mm. I'm, I'm ready to really enjoy. 90-something days? I think it's less. I think it's less in the now. 80s now. So Ooh, We like that. What I did see, though, which I liked, because uh, one of the big, uh, I guess, off-season stories was Russell Wilson and how um, you know his relationship with his players and coaches and stuff were down the gurgler, as they say. But uh, there was a press conference today with Pete Carroll and um, old Rusty came in whilst he was speaking and said... Um, where is it here? Just letting everyone know we're still friends. <laughs> mm. Real patronising stuff, I, real, I thought. Real icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Rusty's back for good. So put it to bed? Put it to bed. He's back. Go okay. Hawks. I like that. What's he, what, did, what was his nickname he coined for himself? Like? Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> 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 he won a big year this year. Although the, his O-line probably won't like him. I think that's a bit of a fraternity when you go against your O-line. Am I right in that saying that, Joshy? The big hog Marlies, they don't like that. You got to be the big on, fellas. You got to have them on side. I mean, the boys buy them gifts. You know, I say it's it's well renowned that a lot of the QBs in, in the teams go and buy the O line some ATVs and some gifts and stuff for Christmas. A couple of, of cars I saw yeah, one some year. Cars, someone yeah. got yeah. Well, let's just. Uh, I think it'll be an old. This is. Uh, it's not a rumbling, but this is a prediction. I think Russ will be uh, sacked the most the, the, the most sacked quarterback this year. 
just for his uh, off-season comments. <laughs> They'll just let him run through, you reckon? Yes. Ha- hasn't he been one of the most sacked yes. quarterbacks in the league over <laughs> well, the last three years? He's going to continue. Gonna so another <laughs> rumbling from you, boss. It's, uh, you know, Not really much of a limb the there, boss. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> it's like selecting Stephen May and he's, you know, most breakout player. He might come back up. Old former captain. He might come back up today. No. Um, <laughs> you can't go there, can you? Any other, any other around the grounds, fellas, or...? No, we've got a big, uh, uh, we've got a big segment. Lot to up get here. through, yeah. So Kept we're going to one. We're talking AFL right now. Big AFL review. There's a couple of points I want to bring up, but then we're going to roll into the LFP mid-season team of the year so far. So first of all, couple couple points I want to bring up for the boys and see what their take is on it. First of all, thoughts on Caroline Wilson's comments regarding the St Kilda players. She is an all-time flog. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, all right. Maybe I'll jump in there with you know, I mean, try and shed a little bit more light on well, the situation. You, for you're, the, a, you're a new dad. You you yeah, could probably relate yeah. to these fellas. So oh, look, I, I completely understand and uh, appreciate the players' needs to wanting to support their family and so forth. I think that from what I have read and heard, that it was just unfortunate with the scheduling from the AFL that if that game was to be played in Sydney, which is what it originally was going to be the players would have been able to fly in and fly out, but based on the government regulations and rules, with it being played in Cairns, I think it was, yep. that then that wasn't able to be happening, so they they um, chose to, to stay behind. The only interesting thing that I find about the whole thing, which sort of leads it to not being just an open-closed case, is that St Gilda haven't come, and come out and like defended the players or denied that Caroline's wrong or anything mm. like that, mm. which... I think there was something today, but prior to that, they had a lot of time to come out and say, look, that's that's a rubbish comment, we support our players, blah, 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 which sort of leads you to the, the notion of maybe, you know, there's, uh, what do they say, no no fire without smoke or whatever it is. Or yep, yep, absolutely. No, and smoke, I think, no smoke without fire, sorry. Yeah. And I think, look, she, Caroline might be right. I mean, she may have heard that from St Kilda personnel, but it's still a poor take for mine, like, I don't think she could. I don't think she, she was in the same position and saying with her family was up. I'm sure she'd miss footy classified. Yeah, mm. and and like we all know, St Kilda's actually playing for next season anyway. Their CEO came out a few weeks ago saying <laughs> we're we're not in it this year. It's next year, so yeah. who really cares? And, and you like, also got to appreciate that Caroline's Caroline Wilson's job is to be inflammatory in the media, you know, and she's she's the king of really har- king or queen or, or of really like harsh takes. Her and Kane Corns are often talking about subjects that are, that are a little crass um, and she's doing her, doing her job and what they're paying her for. So although it was a, it is a poor take, I feel like it's her job. Plus yeah. also St Kilda could have done a lot better job to defend their players. And uh, we're talking about it, so she's done her job. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think my comment about her being a flog, it's not just this topic either. It's over the number of years and like I know that's the role she plays. It's the same role Kane Corns plays. I don't mind Kane Corns. I'm not an avid fan of him, but Big for some man. reason, Flog. for some reason, Caroline, five, ten years, she's just—I know she just rubs me the wrong way. There's just something about her. I, I can't put a finger on it. And yeah, and but at the end yeah. of the day, she's still got her job, so the ratings must be good. Yeah. Yeah. But the other, th- this small little thing I want to say—I don't need comments from the boys, but the weekend just reminded me of the Richmond of old, unfortunately. Sorry, sorry. Before before we get into that, because it's very very important, right? Yes. I, I want to. Um, tell you guys a little anecdote about uh, Caroline Wilson once came into work to present to us as a team and talk a, talk through about her career and stuff like that. Current employer? Current employer, yeah. And she's 
made a career, obviously, of breaking stories and things like that. And one of the, the biggest stories she ever broke was, she said was, um, no, it wasn't her, someone else, but she was saying that um, when, uh, when what's he called, uh, Wayne Carey um, mm. did, uh, did the dirty Anthony on Anthony Stevens' yeah. wife and so forth, they were, they were out to lunch. And she was quite close with, like, Anthony Stevens and stuff like this. And basically I think she turned around to them and said, hey, you've only sort of got yourself to blame because you knew that Wayne Carey was a dog. Mm. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, and apparently, like, Anthony Stevens was across the other side of the table, like, ready to punch her. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody yeah. hell. Cop that, Steve-O. Yeah. Um, oh. I guess on the uh, on the Richmond take there, Boz, question to yourself. Mm. How far was Liam Ryan's kick? Well, I had that down too, so I'm keen to hear yeah, from the big fella. Look, I say this to you blokes every week. You can't. You can't blame an ump- a bad umpire's call on a loss in a tight game because you had four quarters to win the game. I've said that to a lot of people, okay? And it doesn't matter whether I think it went 15 minutes or not. It clearly didn't, but it doesn't. So, so, so hang on. When, when, I, when I put that question back to you over the weekend, mm. you weren't very happy about me saying that Diggs had four quarters to win it. Yeah, of course. I was fucking dirty. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting on the couch cursing at the fucking TV because... We just handed it, handed the game to them. And and Joshua, do you know how far the kick went? So I want to ask you, how far do you think the kick went? Seven seven meters. <laughs> so they they tried to measure it virtually on yeah. three sixty this week. Fourteen point five meters. Yeah, so under fifteen meters. So play on, play on. <laughs> so you, there's there's a, absolutely no way an umpire yeah. can be scorned or whatever that word is for a fourteen and a half meter kick. I tell you what, what a finish though. That's a great kick by Kennedy. Kennedy yeah. So who who won that trade? Oh, I think Carlton still won that trade. You reckon? Yeah. Do, you, do you know this is like one of the takes that I wanted to talk about? I am sick to death <laughs> about <laughs> this, right? Because every time Josh Kennedy comes out and kicks five. Someone puts in the media, who won the who won the trade, Carlton or Carlton or West Coast? Chris Judd no longer plays. If Chris Judd was still playing and having thirty and kicking three and stuff like that, you'd be talking about how amazing he is. We traded a very very young player for a senior established player, and there is such a thing that the media somehow forgets as a win win trade. This is a definition of a win win trade. Chris Judd won a Brownlow at Carlton. Took Carlton to a final series, was captain of Carlton, changed the culture at the time. Cheated his way Unbelievable. to I was going to say, what final series was Unbe- that? Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> he, was, he was an unbelievable influence at Carlton, and I would do that trade ten times over. Speaking of um, Carlton key forwards, yeah. big, big Harry. The big fella's re-signed. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I enjoyed listening to him in the media this week um, after his re-signing. A little bit. Scared that he only re-signed for the two years. Feels like he's Takes kicking the kicking the can down the road. A little fine. bit, but a, as you would, if you were coming into the peak, you know, key forwards peak at 25, 26, why would you only accept a million, you know, 800,000 now when potentially in two years' time you can get 1.2, 1.3? So it's probably smart management from, from, uh, from his manager. But, Definitely. But he said all along he wanted to stay. I've loved the banner between him and his brother. Um, you know, his brother was saying the other week, quoted in uh, in the media, saying that you know when we play Carlton, I usually take the best forward, so I'll probably play on Levi Casbolt. And then Harry, 
Yeah. That's classic. Har- Harry's rebuttal uh, this week was that um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that what's his name, Robbie Tarrant, the yeah. number one defender, so I'll probably play on him. But, hey, who knows? I could play on Ben. I'll probably have. I'll probably saw up the Coleman that week. <laughs> that, that got me. A couple of lols on that one. The only comment I make about that, the deal that he signed, I understand the thinking behind that, but he could break his leg next year. You know, like that's this. It's a risk, like doing a two-year deal. I mean, you could. I'm sure Carlton would have loved to assign him to for five, six, seven years, a million bucks a pop. Yeah, but the the only the only caveat there that I'd I'd um, argue with Boz is the fact that Josh Kelly from GWS signed a what was it, a ten-year deal or whatever, or were they opt out after or two or whatever? Yeah. And he he wants to get out. Yeah. So yeah. quite clearly, like the longer-term deals can be beneficial for the player and the club, but they can all be also be a hindrance to the player and the club. So there's there's really no right or, or wrong, you know? Mm. And, and I, I like a bloke backing in his ability um, mm. and taking a risk. I think that's a good... I, th- good I also think it's about motives too. Like, what's his motive? Is it to make a lot of money or is it to, you know, win a lot of flags? Yeah. I guess the, the flip side of that as well is, yes, two years could get injured, but... He, he needs to think about that. Like, this is probably the first year he's actually played... He's only played 60 games. Exactly. So, he, he has been in and out of the team due to injury or form or whatever. So, it's either... It's not really form. He was a 200-centimetre string yeah. gain early and then injuries. But he's he's coming... Like, he's only come into form... This year. This year, That's right? my point. That's my point. So, he's had half a good season. Think about how scary could've... he could be in a couple of years. Though. No, I don't disagree with that. But I'm saying he's had half of one good season... Probably could have, as you said, taken a million over five years, but decided to go for a short-term two-year to back himself in. He's played 10 good games. Mm. Who's to say he's going to play another good 10 good games? It's obviously looking like he will, but I guess it's risk on both sides, isn't it? You you also never know. Like Carlton could have made commitments to him at the end of the two years and we'll pay you this or whatever. But it's very salivating for Carlton fans thinking that, you know, in four or five weeks' time, Charlie Kernow could be back in the team as well. And you got two young. I mean, we don't know what Charlie's going to come back like, but you know the possibility based on talent of the two of them alone makes for a pretty awesome looking forward line. Yeah, yeah. one one from me, um, and obviously a bit of Hawthorne highlights here was uh, obviously well not highlights, but Jai Newcomb, obviously pick number two in the mid season draft a few weeks ago, made his debut against the Swans uh, last Friday night. And had a, a record beating um, 14 tackles. So the, the most ever for a debutant. And he had um, more tackles than disposals. I was going to say. Which says a lot about his work with the ball. I was going to say. Was he taking someone, was he? Or? He took the words out of my mouth. He looked like a bit of a deer in the headlights when he had the Sharon in hand. But I guess first game, if you're a bit nervous, rather than have trying to get a tick, have a crack. Um, sorry, get a kick, have a crack, get some tackles and, and sort of get into the game that way. Uh, and then the last one for me, I want to get your thoughts on it. Um the tribunal. Tribunal, I'll say that again. Jeez. It's ridiculous. How, and once again, my, yes, I've got my rose-scented Hawthorne glasses on. How James Warple gets a week for that tackle. He's already falling backwards. It wasn't a two-motion sling. Gets a week and then... I don't so even I care about the Warple no, one. No, no, no. But the it, David McKay changes me, the course of AFL football. Let me get to that. Let me get to that. My point with Warple was he gets a week... I saw a highlight of Shane Mumford tackling um, someone on the weekend mm. as well. Looked like a, something out of a WWE <laughs> yeah. wrestling. Code hanged him, then slams into the ground and gets a thousand dollar fine. That it's did uh, he? Did he not get weeks for that? Thousand dollar fine. 
it's utterly pathetic. Jeepers. And then moving on, yeah, that David McKay one, it's similar in my eyes, similar to the Lockie Plowman. Um, yeah. How, how you can suspend someone, he had his hands on the ball mm. and it was just unlucky, complete and utter incident, play on, move on. Like, And I'm sure if you ask Hunter Clark after, yes, he's obviously got a sore jaw, but watching those replays, he would say the same thing. His jaw's to. broken in three places, oh, I get that. I yeah, get but, that. But that can happen in so many different football actions that are Correct. completely legal, as was that was pl- completely legal. But I understand what the AFL are trying to do and stamp out um, concussion and things like that. But in a contact sport like that, there is always going to be accidental con- uh, collision that's unavoidable. And that was just two players looking to get the ball. And at the very, very end, David McKay thought, I might not get this here and tried to shield himself slightly, and then it ended up putting, you know, uh, Hunter, Hunter Clark's jaw in six yeah. different places. Do you want a game where both players stop and go, no, no, you, you pick it up, you pick it up. No, yeah. it's your ball, it's, it's your of, turn, it's, you picked it up. Like, it's pathetic. It's, it's sort of mean, already happening, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, then, that's this, this other school of thought there is that, like, Everyone will adjust, right? We don't often, you know, when we have new rules that come into the game and that that just becomes the new normal. So mm-hmm. as soon as the new normal is accepted, you don't often talk about, you know, what it, what it used to be like okay. when they players had, could, could run into each other like yeah. that. Yeah, they had both um, Rewalt and uh, Adam Trelaw on 360 and they both said the same thing, basically play on. It was an accident, bad, we and feel bad for him. But. And going back on the concussion thing you mentioned, Boz, did, I can't remember who the player was, but the player that um, took a hanger on Tim English's head three or four weeks ago who yeah, knocked Norton. him out. Aaron I Norton. I don't think it was Aaron Norton. You need him square in the jaw. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that, that this this gets rid of my argument then because I thought it was an opposition player. Because no. <laughs> I'm like, did that player get suspended for knocking someone out? No. Like, you get suspended. What happens if it's two teammates doing that? Should they get suspended? That's, that's a, good a, question. That's a legitimate sh- question, right? What happens if it was two teammates yeah. and that happened? Yeah. Should should the the Hawthorne player who knocked Mitch Lewis out in boxing training get suspended for a week as well? Like, I love that though. Where, where, does, where does it stop? Where do you draw the line? I love Clarko. He's just uh, I, hard as nails. I tell you what, I loved. I don't know. I don't know if you guys watched the game or not, but I was obviously watching very intently. But I think a Richmond player got um, reported. Nothing came of it, but they it was supposedly a hard tackle into the ground, and Grimes was caught on the umpire's mic asking him, "How are you supposed to tackle without the player hitting the ground?" And the umpire said had nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not the umpire's yeah. you know, jurisdiction, right? He, they just adjudicate the you know the AFL rules commission makes makes the yeah. rules. Yeah. What yeah. about you know we haven't talked about the story of the weekend though, Bucks and the yeah. send off. Do you reckon Collingwood? You know there were a few people on the board sitting back Monday night going, Shit. "We made the <laughs> wrong decision here." I think the bullshit thing I think is that it's just, it happens in every sport. Everyone, uh, everyone rips these people or players, and then when they decide to retire or they decide to leave or whatever the circumstance is, they're now club legends. Like, can't believe this bloke's doing it. Got so much left in the tank. You know, who wants him at his club? He'll be awesome at this club or that club. It's like, if you're going to have a take, stick with your take. Like, if you think he's a shit bloke, think he's a shit bloke after everything as well. You know, like... Mm. They, they almost made a... There's two ways to look at the situation. It it is on one hand good that Collingwood gave him the send off and the plaudits and everything that he deserved after a, such a long time at the football club. 
But on the other hand, it's almost better when the coach gets sacked immediately because then, then there's no sense of doubt that creeps into your mind like what happened on the weekend when they go out and win and everyone starts to talk about how you know amazing Nathan Buckley is and how much he's got so much left in the tank and all that sort of stuff. If he gets sacked on the spot, that narrative doesn't exist really, yes. right? It's all about how the team had outgrown Nathan and you know needed a new direction and he can you know saunter off into the sun in, in the media world and build back up his credibility. But he built instant credibility on Monday by winning that game and the way that he acted all week and approached the media and things like that. And it, it's made Collingwood look even more of a rabble than they were before, that they've sacked a legitimately good coach. Yeah, potentially they, they saw it and gone, well, they're playing Boz's favourite team, the Ds, who are top of the ladder, mm. and will just get a spanking anyway. And thought, okay, give yeah. him a game. He Validation loses. of our decision. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's, it's completely how's, backfired. How's the... Uh, the gift they got him for 24 years of service. The turf. The SG, SCG turf. <laughs> Square of dirt. That's, that's a shocker. It's, it's yeah. going to die in that case. It doesn't die. I've, I've actually got a, uh, a key ring from Tottenham. It was a blade, couple of blades of grass from the old White Hart Lane and the grass is still beautiful and green in my little key Why ring. Why would you want that? Came yeah. in my membership. Why would you want away grass. I don't want it, but I'm not getting rid of it. They didn't have many wins there. So how do you even know? Last season, they didn't lose a game. How how do you know it actually came from the turf? They could have just picked the grass just outside someone's house. It looks like white art laid turf. Gareth Bale's been picking a few strands off the golf course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A couple of blades. So the time's come, I think, fellas. Legend Factory mid season. Legend Factory team of the season. Got there. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, the All-Australian Legend Factory team of the season so far. Here we go. To year to date. Now year I think, to date. Interim. I, now, I think the best course of action is to go back, mid, forward. But, Joshy, you want to just give us a little rundown of what we're going to be doing here? Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's, uh, across the table, we've been hotly contesting who we think has had a great season and who should be part of the All-Australian side this year. Um, and the, the debate reached fever pitch over the last week or so, so much so that we thought that, you know, maybe we'll just introduce our own Legend Factory Team of the Year. Um, and to avoid too much infighting, we thought we'd each take a section of the ground and select seven players. So six players in their jurisdiction, either back, midfield, forward, one bench player, and then we're each going to throw up a, you know, the last spot in the Legend Factory Team of the Year so far, a little battle royale debate. to battle get royale the last. finish off. So, without further ado, we will go to the back line, which is being presented by Bosley. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Cheese. I've been very excited to give you my back line of Legend Factory Pod team of the midseason. <laughs> just, just move on. Just <laughs> press give us the names. Yeah. So, in the pocket, don't matter which pocket, the plumber. We're going Jake Lever. Ooh, First yeah. cat off the rank. Yeah, yeah. Disposals, 15.2. It's above average. Kicks, 10.4. Above average. Intercept marks, 4.2 per game, which is elite. Nice. Okay, so next to him, also from the Melbourne Football Club, Stephen May. Most improved. Most improved. <laughs> Most improved. You, you, it was never not going to be in there, Stephen May, was he? Disposals, 18.8 per game. Wow. Elite. Kicks, 15.1. Elite. Spoils, 5.6. Elite. Intercept marks, 2.7 elite. How many of those kicks are from the kicking that he's played um, on? Doesn't matter, Cheese. Elite. Now, in the other pocket, from the Geelong Football Club, Tom Stewart. 
got anyone who can defend a small forward down there? Tom Stewart. Just no, no. I, I actually think both Lever and Tom Stewart can play small if needed. Thank okay. you, Josh. So I don't mind okay. it. Tom Dis- Stewart, for me, is the creme de la creme. Uh, dispo- disposals, no, 24.6 yeah. elite. Kicks, 18.8 elite. Marks, 7.9 elite. Meters gained, 500 and 2.4 elite. Hey, just just quickly before you move on to the half-back line. Yes. It's very likely that the stats that you produce are going to be in the elite category. Otherwise, you wouldn't have um, named that person. Yeah. So you probably don't need to keep yeah. saying no, elite. No, no below-average players. I'm just trying to like, uh, you know, make my players sound better. <laughs> we get it. So maybe you can just be like Tom Stewart, Skip elite, elite, and then just give us the stats. Okay. <laughs> on half-back... Daniel Rich. Nice. Elite. Elite, elite boot. <laughs> Disposals, 26.3. Elite. <laughs> no, kicks, elite man bun. Kicks 22, marks 5.8, and meters gained at nearly over 600 a game. Jeez, hasn't he been a player over the stretch, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Solid. Centre half back from the Carlton yes, Football Club. My boy, Weeders. Jacob Weedering. Now, yes, this boss. guy hits one elite category, which is spoils, which is nearly nine a game. But... He essentially gets the best defender every game and does a pretty good job. So, so do you know his his yeah, um, his one on one win success rate is actually elite, boss. Yep. Well, so I'm it's like to in find the top. That. It's in the top two in the comp. Him and Liam Jones are like in the top two in the comp. Yep. Uh, one and two. Liam Jones actually got a higher rate than than Weedering, but um, he's a very very special Liam one Jones on one defender. Was never going in this team. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Now. The last Great spot, pickup. the last spot, last starting spot was a toss-up for mine. It was between uh, it was between a couple of blokes, and the bloke who I didn't pick is going to be on my bench. So I'm going to go with Darcy Moore. Just uh, been ruled out for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's PCL, a, that's a rubbish. Yeah, name. but it's just forget the injury, right? But you yeah. got too many big blocks. Well. Yeah. Is this for the bench spot or for the, the other halfback? No, this is the other halfback. Okay? Oh, no. So, remember, this is not... Jeez, Cheese's team might kill you on the ground. Mate, they'll be doing yeah. circles around your back, mate. That's okay. That's okay. So, that was a gut feel of mine and I went with it. Okay? Let's just not... I'm just not going to spew out stats that everyone can read. I'm going to go with my gut. No, my gut says Darcy Moore gets a game. Mate, I heard you say the word elite. Followed by a stat about 50 okay. times. You've, now, got, you've got five blokes over 195. <laughs> now, my, my bench spot, my bench spot is uh, from the Western Bulldogs, Bailey Dale. Ooh, yeah. Great kick. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, like that. What about uh, the Caleb other? Caleb Daniel. Yeah, what about Daniel? Little no, thanks. This bloke's got 24 disposals a game, 16 kicks, nearly 500 metres game, gained a game. Yeah, Sard? I do like him. Yeah. <laughs> Sard, <laughs> mate. I'd rather have Nick Hind. Oh, and look, one, one, one bloke who I really wanted to put in, but his stats aren't there this year, was Nick Vlosten, but I just think he's... He could easily be in that team. He could play. Yeah. So Radio. that's the backs. Well done, boss. Some questionable selections, but uh, we will play on. Um, I gladly took hold of the midfield players. Um, very, very eager to to put a couple of my boys in there who have been playing well this year. Start off um, with, the, with the freak, one of the best 50-game players you have ever seen <laughs> in Sam Walsh. Averaging 30 a game, seven score involvements, which is elite in the competition, six clearances. I just think he's rubber man. He just he just hits the packs and, and um, throws his body in and just comes out unscathed. Um, 
so hard at it for a bloke that just hasn't built the upper body yet and been very impressed with Sam. In the middle, in the guts, I think uh, the best extractor in the game, uh, we've got Clayton Oliver, averaging 31 a game, leads the league in contested possessions, second in clearances, averaging seven a game, six tackles, shows he puts his body on the line. And I really enjoy the way he's, tra- he's sort of changed the way he plays this year without trying to do too much, recognise that kicking wasn't his specialty and he's just... You know, real first give, beautiful in traffic. Um, he's actually got a bit more pace than you think yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so I've been very impressed with him this year. There was rumours that he wanted to come to the Blues at the end of last year, and, gee, that would have been nice inclusion. Shit haircut, though. Shit haircut. Ugly bloke. One of the probably top two or three worst-looking blokes. Does he want his hair to be curly or does he want it to be I straight? No, it's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a massacre up top. Um, on the other wing, could have easily gone in the engine room, but Jack McRae, averaging 35, knew, moves beautifully, thought that he'd, he'd make the wing, wing position his own. Mm. Yep. I think um, I think he's got something like his last 25 games of 20-minute quarter, so take away last season, over 30 touches in every single game. Yep, just an Crazy. elite um, accumulator of the pill. And he averages the highest dream team in the league as well, which shows that he uses the ball... Splendidly. So very happy with Jack's year so far. Mm-hmm. In the ruck, short and sharp, Max Gorn, enough said. Yep. Best ruck win the comp, takes towering marks. Only one close to him is Nat Nui. Um, but I think Nick Nat's been a little inconsistent at times um, and have been pleased with the way that Gorn's playing. What about Toby? Then Curves. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even in close to the top <laughs> ten rucks in the comp, boss. Um, moving into my Rovers... My all-Australian or legend factory team of the year captain. I've put the big C just, on him without talking to you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. The Bont. And you can't, yeah, you can't disagree. Um, Bont's been amazing. Runaway, runaway Brownlow, leader from mine, on fire. He's kicked 17 goals as a midfielder, which is just electric. Averages 27 a game plus a goal assist, which is also elite in the elite category. So he's contributed to, what's that, 13? He's contributed to 40 goals already for the year, which is amazing. Solid. Yeah. And then the other uh, rover spot, Christian Petrarca, one of the most explosive beasts in the AFL, close to taking the the mantle from Dusty maybe in a year or two's time. Um, Averages 28 a game, six clearances, eight score involvements, which is second in the league, and he's kicked 14 himself. So very, very happy with Christian. My bench spot goes to a bit of a roughie, a uh, bloke that's making a, a real late dash for it in Darcy Parrish. Mm, like it. Darcy like it. has won the Anzac Day medal and the is it the Yunkai medal for the Dreamtime I'll, I'll, anou- I'll let you announce that one. So he's racking up the personal accolades. His last five games, he's gone 44 disposals, 36, 36, 39, 35. When he's been put in the engine room, he is on fire, Darcy Parrish. So he goes on the bench. Yep. And that's me, boys. Okay, a couple for mine that uh, I'm not sure about. I mean, how you can't have Tom Libertore in there. Yeah. I mean, Stiff. he's he's leading the clearances by a mile. So to, to preface that, Boz, no one loves Libba more than myself because, you know, I, I like to get the ball out of the engine room when I played in a very, very <laughs> poor standard of football back in the day. Strong call. And I can, and I can appreciate the Big way ass. that Libba just fires off little handballs that people don't take notice of, which is something that I used to think I, I did back in the day. But um, Libba himself, 
Uh, unfortunately, I thought I had too many extractors in the team. So I've gone with Petrarca and Oliver. How's, how's the self-promotion to answer that question? And, and I was just trying to give you an appreciation of why I really no, love Libba and that he was very stiff to, to miss out. No yep. humour cluggage? Yeah, my boy. Might have to wait till my... Uh, oh, boss, you've given it away yeah. again. What? All right, we're moving to the the glory town up front. I'm gonna. I've um, I've actually just rejigged my forward line to make sure my little whippets will run around the ankles of Boz's big men. Um, yeah. But one of the one of the clear rules I had for myself when putting my the forward line together was I, I can't stand when the real all Australian team gets rolled out and you've basically got four midfielders occupying the half forwards and the, the forward pocket spots. So clear line in the sand for me was no midfielders. Has to be a forward player. So, to kick us off, we've got Toby Green uh, from the Greater Western Sydney Giants, averaging five shots on goal. Unfortunately, he hasn't kicked them all. He's only kicked twenty three, but he's had twenty seven uh, behinds. He's only played ten games as well, but he's still sort of right up there in the Coleman. If he had a kick straight and played all thirteen games, I think he'd be easily top five in the Coleman. Also, averaging eighteen point four disposals a game, which is elite for a small forward. Now, probably the guy that your tall defenders boss is going to have most trouble uh, competing with is the electric Cozzy Pickett. I've put him there. He, he's in half forward. Oh, so we, oh, I didn't think about that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> At centre half forward, then going backwards. <laughs> I was just naming six players. Centre half forward. This might be a bit controversial, oh, but go. I've gone with Aaron Norton. I love the astronaut, but jeez, he's not even Western Bulldogs' best forward. Elite for marks inside fifty, and contested marks. Absolutely loves. Taking a hanger, and as I said, this he's is he's ninth in the Coleman. This is the the glory hunters down the forward line. Loves taking a hanger, kicked twenty nine goals. However, as we're all aware, his set shot routine leaves a little bit to be desired. That I pointed out in say pod four or five. Oh, if he could get his <laughs> if he can get his kick in straight, he'd be probably right on the heels of Harry McKay as leading the, the Coleman medal. And he just adds a little something different. I think good old astronaut. So he sent our forward. Half-forward flank, I've got Bailey Fritch, Mr. Hair. I can hate that guy. Can't, can't stand his hair, don't really like to look at him, but he's put in together a season. 28 goals. He doesn't get a lot of the pill, but he's ultra-efficient when he does get I think he averages under 10 touches a game, but it has, I think, it's seven or eight or six or seven score involvements per game. That's a stinky pick. That's I had to scroll down the list to see where he was, to be honest. He's kicked the same amount of goals Aaron Norton, I think. Um, so that's the half-forward line. The full-forward line, we've got, as we uh, spoiled earlier, uh, Cozzy Pickett in, in the forward pocket. Mm. Kicked 20 goals, but he's more in the team for his forward pressure. He's uh, elite for tackles inside 50. He's a little, as I said before, whip it down there on, on the heels of players, roving the packs. And How many tackles a game does he get? He's elite for tackles inside 50. Um, so I, I can't remember the self to meta. I think it was two and a half, give or take. Jeez, you better you better have someone pretty good in the other pocket. Full forward, Harry. Harry McKay. <laughs> He's done it. So the way I'd actually set my team up was to read out Harry last, just to leave Joshua sweating a little bit. But you've, <laughs> you've, you've cooked me having to go in, in sequence. Obviously, we all know Harry leads the common. Uh, 
despite missing last week with concussion, also strong in the air, loves a contested mark, um, has improved his goal kicking in my mind out of sight this year as well. Do you know he's kicked? So they talked during the week during when he signed his contract off about why he goes with the snap. And he basically said to the reporters, you guys are going to have to get used to the fact that the snap is the new way of life in the AFL. It is more accurate and it is proven for people and me to be more effective. He's kicked like 15 goals four or something with a snap. snap. It. Okay. Yeah. I like that. No, Which that, that's a that's a late conversion from a snap. I like the honesty. That that like rather than hiding behind it or whatever, you've actually come out with some facts. Yeah, and, he's like it works for me. I'm I'm barely miss any. So why why is it an issue? Where, nice, nice. Where I kick from and what I kick. And so the final uh, field spot uh, in the eighteen, uh, the other forward pocket goes to Josh's boy Zach Bailey. Love Zach Bailey. He might. I think he's only he's scored seventeen or eighteen goals, but he's not there for that. He's. Um, Elite in forward half pressure. Uh, he's good in the clearances as well. So he's, he's I think he's above average in, in, in clearances per game. And for me, the biggest thing about him is he, he's, his composure in, in tough spots, tight corners. He he's just doesn't get flustered. And I think you would, you'd be happy to give him the ball sort of for a kick after the siren uh, to, to win the game, which he's already done this year. So how is he left off? McDonald tipping Woody. I mean, have you got a bench spot before we just start cracking into you? Surely tipping Woody's on there. He kicked 27. It doesn't sound like it, but go on. Well, I, I thought I'd have to measure up against Boz's uh, tall back line, so I've gone with Tex Walker. I love as, the Tex. As, as my yeah, bench yeah. spot. I mean, how isn't he set half forward? Yeah. Because Aaron Norton is. Or Buddy. Buddy's goals per game ratio is much better than the astronaut. Yeah, I just love and you've Aaron got, Norton. And you've gone against your own rule. Zach Bailey is a midfielder. No, he's not. He's a midfielder. <laughs> he's not a midfielder. Midfielder. Half forward. He's a half forward. What does that say? Midfielder. Oh, slash forward. forward. You just Moving. said... Give me give me the percentage where he plays. If, if he plays more than 50%. It says right here, 75% midfield. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so Tex Walker on the bench for me, um, coming second in the Coleman with 37. Uh, elite for disposals for a, a forward half player. And just more importantly as well, he, he's turned his career around. He had a fairly poor season last year. Um, everyone was writing him off uh, and he's shoved it up and, and said, okay. look at me, I'm I back. Love the, love the Texan, beautiful. Set shot. Tip and Woody. I mean, how you miss that is an oversight. Tip and Woody's going to be his, his extra. I can guarantee it now that he's... Well, I may as well lead off the extras and go with Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was your really? Who was your extra really? Gary Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan. Gary Rowan. Yeah. Oh, For me, what it is 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 Tip and Woody is he goes too quiet in games. He he will miss. Oh, he's it. kicked twenty seven. Yeah, goals. I know. But the, I reckon if you looked at it, he'd have bulk goals in a few games and then maybe zero goals in a few. He's other nearly games. kicked more than your centre half forward, starting centre half forward. I am aware of that, Boz. But as I said, I think he goes quiet for weeks at a time, which I don't like. I, I would like have liked to have seen players. you even have Eddie Betts in there over no, some of the. Of course, you Zach fucking Bailey. would have. Yeah, no, just joking. Um, Who's your extra, Josh? My extra is McCluggage, as Cheese gave away earlier. Um, had a, having a fine season up north, you. Um, beautiful user, beautiful mover. Really, really deserves his spot on the bench. My extra is Christian Salem. Having a great season. Hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like writing it down. I did not like writing Rubbish it down. Head, but he's can't. having some he's having a good a good time this year. 
Okay, so is so are you going to go with Tip and Woody? Woody? Yeah, yeah, or I've, I've turned around. I, I potentially accidentally scrolled past him. Yeah. Uh, I. <laughs> who do you think, Boz? Between the three. If you had to pick one other than your own, uh, I'd be McCluggage. Because I feel like he could play forward in midfield. Mine would be Tip and Woody. Mine would be McCluggage. McCluggage gets in. There it is. Jeez. Not bad. I'll post that. That's uh, a good team. It's a great I'll team. I'll post that team. Jeez, uh, poor Tip and Woody. He's been <laughs> robbed. He's been robbed. First emergency. <laughs> he'll, he'll get in. He'll get a game. That was good, though. There wasn't too much arguing with a few of those picks. I think. I mean, the forward line, is a lot of conjecture around that, but, you know, get on your cheese. As I said as well, I went for what I want rather than what the consensus was. As we were talking before the game, we could just roll out its podcast. It sounds like Fox Sports Mark 1, but no, we're a little bit different, a little bit something else. Okay. Mm. That's what I've gone with. You you picked four blokes, five blokes over 195, so... Mm. Yeah, I mean, Harris Andrews nearly got in there. <laughs> He's over 200. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Love right, that you man. had Wheaties in... Three Carlton players. That's that's good going. Yeah, not bad. Doesn't say much for the rest of the Carlton side. No. No, being carried. Yeah. Rightio, let's uh, move on, Boz. What do we got next? Different tact, Boz. It's, we're, we're moving sports, fellas. We're getting into some updates. Big one, French Open. Unfortunately, the pod boy got done in the semifinals. Rest in peace, Nadal. Couldn't get the 21, but I feel like the Joker could become one of the boys. One of our boys. He's done it. 19, 19 slams now. So the big question I wanted to ask you fellas coming out of that, is he the best player, men's player of all time? I think it's almost getting to the point where it's undisputedly. Like, I think Roger is the most aesthetic player to watch, just the way that he hits the ball and his demeanour and he's a, he's a player everyone wants to be the greatest. But, you know, at the end of the day... The numbers don't lie. And very, very shortly, the Joker will be on his own island as winning the most Grand Slams ever in a in a um, era where he's played against the two other greatest players of all time. So how can you deny him? And just one little stat on that French Open. So Nadal's record is 105 wins and three losses. <laughs> two of those losses are to the Joker. And one to Roger. Yeah, and wasn't this there was a stat during the week that the Joker's like I can't remember how many men have done it, but to win all four Grand Slams twice. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. So his his weaknesses are almost non-existent, yeah. right? He's a machine. To me, like I, that's I've probably why do people don't like him because yeah. he's machine-like. Yeah. but he's a freak. He's a robot. Yeah. But to me, I think that's why what tipped me over the edge. And I knew this idea. I hadn't read this stat until you guys told me earlier. Like I've always been a Roger fan. Aesthetically pleasing, great to one watch. Hand, one handed backhand oh, too, just Beautiful. fantastic to watch. But then when you mentioned about Joker being the only player to win both or well, all slams twice, as much as I had to say, I think that tips me over the edge. And let's all be—I don't know if he's the only player. I think he's one of a okay. few. Well, yeah. well, I guess those those players were, but he one of a few. But I think, and let's all be honest with ourselves, yeah. Highly likely he's going to win Wimbledon, and he's probably the red hot favourite for the US Open later in the year as well. And you can he, he will have twenty one beating yeah. Rafa and Roger to when they're both on twenty. So and you can see you can see a, an evident decline in Roger and and Dell, but you, you don't see a decline at the moment in the Joker. Yeah, he's playing lights out. Ro- Roger's also I think he's thirty nine. Where Joker's only thirty two or yeah, thirty three, but it's it's inevitable. But then also d- doesn't that show case like. 
how good the Joker is because when he was first starting to win slams, Roger was in his prime. Peak. Yeah. 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 So he's won nine Aussie Opens. He's won two French Opens now. He's won five Wimbledons and three US Opens. It's it's really it's actually insane. Like it's almost between those three, it's almost a similar debate to the Ronaldo Messi debate. Mm. Like rather than debating who is the best and who is better, just just embrace it and appreciate it and and just love the greatness of what we have been alive to witness. I feel I've been very lucky, haven't we? The guy guy I feel sorry for is Andy Murray. I don't think he was at the the Yeah, no way. Yeah. I feel sorry for that. If those blokes weren't around, he wins all these slams. It's no, it's such a st- sob story. The Andy Murray oh. one, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Like he honestly, did win a gold it's, medal. it's oh, it's the great, it's the great, um, you know, United Kingdom whinge. Yeah, yeah. Like that they're talking about. <laughs> oh, what about what about us if things were different? Like he he wasn't on his own. You know, to better a word again, island to the rest of the, you know, the rest of the competition. There've been blokes here and there that have jumped up a little bit and become. You know, competitive with with mm. Rafa and Roger and that at times. Crimey River, yeah. Andy. <laughs> he, 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 he wanted to be the fourth Beatle, but he wasn't. He just yeah. wasn't good enough to be yeah, yeah. included. Like well, your Pete Sampras and all that, much better than Andy yeah, Murray. Far better. <laughs> I guess staying on a European theme, Boz, uh, over in the UK this week, we have got very close to my heart uh, horse racing at Royal Ascot. You went when you were over there? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. It was absolutely – we went twice, um, both on the, the Saturday. It's, it's one of the best days. Like, I know just, – Just how confusing is putting a bet on over there? Oh, it's ridiculous. How they – how they, what does odds of 13 to 7 mean? Like, <laughs> how? What the hell? And it's basically impossible to put – like, it's if – you're, if you're not putting a win bet on or a place bet on, you're putting, like, a quaddy or something on, like, good luck. It's, it's not – it's so confusing. It's absolutely ridiculous. That, that's probably the one drawback for English horse racing is how old school it still is and how it's still run by the old guard. They haven't really moved into the 21st century and it's still just run by an old bunch of aristocrats who think they're better than everyone else. Um, so I think once... your authentic experience though, I suppose. Oh, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. But I think they need to move on and move out of that sort of stage of horse racing and, and they still like... Um, they still say like when they buy a horse, it's like shillings and all this sort of stuff rather than using real currency. And it's just a bit backwards for me. But <laughs> I'll tell you what though, Royal Ascot is an outrageous day. Um, the first year we went, we went, we paid – I walked in there and I had a smile from ear to ear the whole day. I had a sore jaw at the end of it. Um, I don't think it's from a smile. You would have been chewing people's ears off all day. That as well. <laughs> um, but it, like it was just – for me, like it's a bucket list thing. Um, so I absolutely loved it. Once Did you wear the top hat and the tails? No, so you only have you to. You didn't w- do it right, no, then, no, geez. no. I was a bit shattered. The the only only you have to do that if you're in sort of like the real creme de la creme gotcha. section, the members. So yeah, we were in the the highest section that any pleb could buy a ticket for. So gotcha. you still obviously have to wear a suit and tie yeah. and look look nice. But the after the racing finishes, so they only do six races a day. The aftermath is is where it's at. So in the section we were in is sort of similar to the car park at. at Flemington uh, for Melbourne Cup Carnival headquarters um, and they have uh, it's called the bandstand and they have like a marching band who go up on the band and on the stage sorry and play like just absolute classics and like English classics for maybe an hour and Jeez, it really is wide elitist sort of set up oh, in the, yeah. significantly yeah. and but it's I don't know, yeah, hour, 15, 20,000 people just singing along and it's just absolutely glorious um, 
But I just thought I'd run a f- through a few sort of uh, quick stats on, on <coughs> Royal Ascot. So we have had a few Aussie horses who have gone over there and, and run and won in the, in the not-too-distant future, or past, sorry. Uh, the first one was Schwarzier in sort of 2003. Uh, won a couple of races back-to-back. Snappy's out of Schwarzier. Is she? Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, Miss Andretti, Takeover Target. Merchant Navy was the most recent in 2018. So You Think, who was an absolute superstar uh, ahead of his time and obviously the great uh, Black Caviar. She won the Diamond Jubilee in, in 2012. So it, it started last night. We had had day one. So it runs Tuesday through Saturday. There's racing every day. And as I sort of said before, it's, it's similar to the, the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Overnight, we had two group ones, the Queen Anne and the King Stand. Um, star jockey <coughs> uh, Frankie Dettori won on Palace Pier and the Queen Anne. And Oxted, who was an out, uh, rank outsider, beat the red-hot favourite Batash in the King Stand. And just quickly, a few races over the next few nights to look forward to. So tonight we've got the Group 1 Prince of Wales, which has last year's Cox Plate runner-up Armoury running in it, and also superstar filly by the name of Love. And so that's probably the main race of the whole week, or one of the main races for the whole week. Previous winners, uh, Highland Reel and So You Think, as I mentioned before. Thursday is Ladies' Day, as per Melbourne Cup Day, Melbourne Cup Carnival got the running of the Gold Cup, and we've got Stradivarius, who once again, Frankie Dottori riding, uh, is going for its fourth win in a row in that race, which is huge. Friday, a couple of group ones, the Commonwealth Cup and the Coronation Stakes, and then Saturday to finish it off, the Diamond Jubilee, uh, which is, as I said, a sprint race that Black Caviar uh, won in 2012. So some late nights again for Cheese, I think, in the coming nights, and definitely on Saturday, watching Royal Ascot. I think we might need to have a pre a uh, pod meeting about some of your deep dives, Chiefs. You've just told the audience what's happening every day. They, the could, they could have just opened the form guide. <laughs> <laughs> we to had a talk a pre-pod <laughs> about exactly what to do and you've defied, our, you've defied us again. You said just quickly four times. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to delete your notes coming into the pod each week. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to help our listeners out. They're, they're pressed for time. We were talking about doing three-minute highlights and <laughs> off to sport. Rather than having to get the form guide out, they can just listen to the pod. Uh, not know, bad by know you, who to tip. Okay, not bad by you, Chase. You blokes can ship off. Uh, just quickly, <laughs> just real quickly, obviously the NBA finals are still happening at the moment. Just there's, quickly. There's one tactic that I that I watched the other day which I want to tell you fellas about was the 76ers are playing Atlanta Hawks at the moment. Obviously our boy Ben Simmons, Aussie guy, friend of the show. He sucks at shooting sometimes. Like he's got no oh. jumper... He can't shoot a mid-range, and obviously he can't shoot a three-pointer. So I think it was game three, the Hawks, it was close. And basically the Hawks would let Ben get the ball and simply foul him because they knew he was going to miss one or two three throws what do you reckon and get the that, ball back. What do you reckon that does to your mind as a player? Oh, fuck it. Yeah, it'd be like you'd want to just crawl up in a hole like, and, you know, pass away or something. For the last like, three minutes, all they were doing was letting Ben get the ball and fouling him. And that he would shoot three, maybe get one. He would never get two, maybe get one, and they get the ball back. It's basically he'd probably like go home and cry after that. Ben. And they can't, and and Doc can't take him off because he's one of their best players. Well, he's their best defender. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. Basically treating him like Shaquille O'Neal, who was horrendous at the three throw line. Man, it's nuts. But but he's just he's just not developing a, a shooting ability, Ben. Like he's just. I mean, he's might have had some incremental gains, but. You know, it's probably the one thing that stops him from becoming, you know, a top 
three or top five player in the yeah. league. Like, is yeah. that he just can't shoot the poor bloke. So one bloke that can shoot that I'm loving the renaissance of is CP3, mm. Chris Paul. Yep. He's having an awesome final series Got the broom so out. Far. Got yeah. the broom out. Got the broom out, yeah. He's just, like, I mean... Maybe he's not as appreciated in in some circles as what he might be in the US and things like that. But you know, with the, when there's a lot of talk about your LeBrons and all that sort of stuff, like CP3 is a superstar of the game, and has just not had the success that you know his um, ability deserves. Yep, fine. and it's just awesome to see him join a team like the up and coming Suns, who are cool to watch. Yeah, and fun fact about that is that the first time ever in NBA history an MVP has been swept in a final series. Nicole really? Is that, yep. Yeah, wow. Did you see his um, flagrant at the end of the last game? Did you see his brothers in the stand? No. Man, his brothers in the stand who look identical to him essentially but with tattoos were like trying to get onto the court to get involved in the fight. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, uh, Nikolai, he, he caused it. Like he, yeah, of course, man, yeah. He's, the guy's a monster arm and hand and he's just like absolutely with force slapped it. And you see like the the uh, front on replay where it's just like the bloke's nose is just like rippled back into his head. You can't eject the MVP <laughs> in the third quarter though. It's a commercial business at the end of the day. We need the best players on the court. No. It wasn't Oz. that bad. You can't eject him for that. So He was getting frustrated because he was throwing his toys out of the court. <laughs> but that's it for the NBA update. There's plenty of games going on. It's good to watch at the moment. Because that took a while. Now... U.S. Open starts. All we want from you boys is a little, your little tip or who you're going for. Obviously, I'm going with my boy Bryson DeChambeau. He's going to be hitting bombs again this year. He's going to go back to back. So I'll give you the odds quickly on who is currently favourite. John Rahm, as long as he doesn't have... Is he recovered? As long as he, <laughs> he, he, gets, him negative, long as he gets him negative tests. He's currently paying $10 to win. We've got my boy... Bryson DeChambeau with a flat cap paying 15 bucks, and then Dustin Johnson rounds out the top three at $17. So, be interesting. Yeah, look, I um, I think it's it's, it's one of the toughest sports to really predict who's going to win, um, you know, a certain Open because, you know, it's it's completely unpredictable golf, right? Like you had Phil Mickelson win the last major, which is crazy, but... One bloke that I really love following over the last year or so is Colin Morikawa, um, who is just one of those beautiful... He's almost like a... Um, Robot? Like a Federer type, you know, just the the, the aesthetics and um, how beautiful good. his swing is. And I really want him to do well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting behind my boy Morikawa. Also like Fleetwood. Um, Tommy you Fleetwood? Know, yeah, beautiful, uh, beautiful looking rooster. Fleetwood, so I'd have you have him <laughs> up there, and who else do I like, Boz? I'd say yeah, that's probably it. Maybe maybe Cameron, really Cameron Smith, Cameron yeah. Smith, the mullet man. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's hard to go obviously past the top two in the world, Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas. But yeah. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Xander Shuffle. That's how you pronounce his <laughs> name. <laughs> Oh, yeah, real big fan. What do you like about him? Honestly, I think he's a good-looking rooster. He knows how to hit the ball. Uh, he's good around the greens. Um, and I just think he, it's time for him to sort of, yeah. Okay, the X. The X-Man. Yeah, get around him. Okay. Well, I'll be watching the X-Man go around the course. Hopefully you do too, Chiefs. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I, don't, I don't mind the golf. I think now, the go- watching the golf is uh, it's relaxing. It's good to sort of be on the on the couch having an, a nap while watching the golf. Good, I think. good to hear. Yeah. Now, quick, re- quick little Euro update. How are our boys going? I'm yeah, succinct, cheese. Yeah, succinct. no, no deep dives. I know the three lines. They they've got the win over the weekend, which I was pretty happy about. 
They uh, did. They but did. the only concerning thing was my golden boot. Yeah, Harry. Looks Harry like, looked like a decoy for about seventy minutes. <laughs> he did actually. <laughs> yep. He was a non-existent Harry Kane. Twenty twenty-six touches and then got taken off as well. So, well, they one point. Nervy English. Yeah. Well, mate, one point I on that. Told you they can't handle the expectation. Love Foden's hair, by the way. <laughs> Hate that. That's crap. Uh, one point in that, what were your thoughts? Obviously, they beat Croatia 1-0, but what were your thoughts on uh, Southgate's team selection, squad selection even? Hated it. Hated it? I just think that, um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan. I know that Trippier is a good player, but playing a, a right-footed side, right footed player on the left side really limits your ability to put balls into the box and things like that. So it takes away a, like a, a weapon for the team. So I wasn't a big fan of that. So for mine, Chilwell should come into the side. Um, I was also baffled that Sancho didn't make the squad, which was crazy. There's barely 24 players in the world better than him, let alone yeah. in England. Like yeah, it's for ridiculous. sure. But, I mean, maybe that's a statement from Southgate that, you know, Sancho's just putting the feet up in the camp or something like that and yeah. needs to roll his socks up. So we'll give Gareth the benefit of the yeah. doubt. They won nil. Three Play points on. on the board, yeah. I think Gareth does have a little bit of history of playing um, rights – Right-sided players at left back. I think Ashley Young sort of played left back in, in the World Cup a couple of years ago. But still, yeah, interesting for mine. Get Chilwell on. Um, Netherlands got over the Ukraine in a thriller uh, the other night as well, which is great. This morning, which Boz didn't get up for, uh, France beat Germany one nil. What's the nine-minute package though? Yeah, Good package. Couple of, couple of things out of that. Mbappe is frightening. He's the so goal quick. that he scored that got ruled out for offside was electric. And then if anyone's seen the highlights, there was this one where the ball was kicked forward and he out-sprinted the defender. I can't remember who the defender Matt, was. Mats Hummels. Mats Hummels. And it was like the bloke was standing still. <laughs> like, it was electric. Like, it was so good. And he's really cool to watch. And I got overexcited about the French and ordered a vintage uh, 1998 Viva la France Zidane jersey. <laughs> <laughs> to throw my and I ordered Express Post, so it'll be here in a couple of days. And throw my weight behind the French. <laughs> so you're even though that I said Portugal were going to be the winners, I just I'm really digging the French. Well, that really. a huge win, mate. Yeah, yeah. That was the next point. Portugal uh, wore down Hungary. It was three 0 in the end, but I think they didn't score their first until the mid 80th minute. Oh, they hit the post and oh, they, they were all, they were all over him. Yeah, but yeah, Hungary, yeah. Hungary also hit the back of the net but it got ruled yeah. offside which was miles offside. Ronaldo on his way to the golden boot and player of the tournament. Thanks boys. Yeah, he, he Should have put money on that at the start. Netted yep, two. He's sure. now actually the greatest scorer in Euro competition history. So not just the finals but also the qualifying tournament. He scored the most goals and also he's second of all-time goal scoring for internationals. He's only three behind the leader who was an Iranian player who probably played most of his games against teams that Iran beat 10-0. So in reality, Ronaldo's a top scorer in my mind. He'll be there soon anyway. Uh, and thoughts on how good was it to see the uh, Puskas Arena in, in Budapest there in Hungary full to the brim, 67,000 fans at a game of football. And the, mm. this, the passion at a football game, there's nothing like it. There were a couple of things that... Um Caught my eye. Um, obviously, you know, we haven't touched on it, but um, extremely sad about Christian Eriksen collapsing mid-game. Great to hear that he's okay. Um, I know he's one of your boys at Tottenham for a while. Cheese, uh, pretty scary stuff. But, you know, just the reaction time of the referee, Simon, um, I don't know how to spell his la- pronounce his last name, Kier or something like that. No, that's the... Danish captain. Yeah. Anthony Young. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Talking about the Danish captain. Oh, sorry, how yeah, yeah, He was yeah. the one that, like... Yep. 
um, rolled him onto his side and cleared his airways and stuff like that was incredible. But one thing that I found was just very rotten out of the whole situation was that they had an hour and 45-minute break before they started playing a game. And I believe Denmark wanted to just forfeit the game and or just like stop the game completely. And UEFA threatened them that if they forfeited or if they didn't want to go back out, that the game would be considered a forfeit and a 3-0 win to the other team for for refusing to go back back out. Jesus. That's ridiculous. Without a better – for a better word, they're fucked UEFA, really. Pathetic. That's pathetic. I I think they're getting a fair bit of backlash for that call, that decision-making – uh, from well, obviously the Danish Football Association and sort of the wider football mm. landscape, um, I also think the the broadcasters are getting a fair bit of backlash as well uh, for continuing to show the pictures. I know BBC were getting uh, hounded from pillar to post, but they came out and said, "Well, we're not the host broadcast; we were just feeding the pictures." But obviously, people were saying, "Well, you could have cut back to the studio and had the guys talking rather than show yeah. what was going on." Um, but yeah, as you said, for me, it was. I got, I got quite emotional. I know this is going to sound stupid, but on Sunday You're morning... You're an emotional guy. I am, I am. Just so listeners know at home. Woke up on Sunday morning to a text from yourself uh, and then also a text from my mate Grant, who I went to the Spurs games with in the UK. Like, both say... You both sort of said it's the worst thing you've ever seen on a football field and I, I don't really have a stomach to handle many things. So I was like, oh, has it been a bad tackle or whatever it was? So I, got, I actually got Tian to Google it for me um, to then realise what it was and sort of just sitting there like on the couch just thinking, wow, yeah, I've, I've seen this guy in the flesh been and watched him probably 30, 40 times and it just sort of yeah, really hit home. So I guess, yeah, well wishes to him. As Josh said, I think he's he's doing okay at the moment, still in hospital getting um, looked after. Um, but yeah, well wishes to him and, and his family and obviously pray that he, he's fit and healthy after all this and it doesn't mm. happen to anyone anytime soon again. It's horrible. On a lighter note. It's coming home. No. no <laughs> yes, sorry. It's coming home. <laughs> it, it might be. Jury's still out. But on a lighter note, best kit? England. Love it. Absolutely it's a nice, it's a nice looking like kit, England. Yeah. Like the yeah, the round the neck colour, yeah, yeah. and the, the, the colour down the sides, yep. very nice. I'm a big fan of um, the French. They've got like a really dark navy blue with a with a with a you know hoops, lighter blue hoops and the red. It just looks very, very sharp. Why did you even pick Croatia at the start? Hey, I didn't Portugal. Portugal. Oh, sorry, Portugal at the start. And hold on, if you let me finish, I'm very big fan of the Portuguese, that deep red with the collar. Very nice. Those would be my three favourite kits. Yeah, and and to those all Nike too. So maybe it's yeah. a thing behind to, the love Nike boys. To yeah. those to those listening, as as Boz just mentioned, it's coming home. I would employ implore, sorry, all of our listeners to jump on Twitter and just search for "It's Coming Home." There's some absolute classic videos out there to watch and to get a smile around. Well, that's good, boys. Now, one of the one of the more favourite segments of the week. What are we drinking, Joshy? Yeah, look, it's um, we've been here for a couple of hours and we've been sipping back on a couple of Colonial Pale Ales this week Ooh. by the Colonial Brewing Co. Good really, looking can. Really good little brewery in Port Melbourne. If anyone wants a nice little afternoon out um, down by the uh, down by the seaside in Port Melbourne. Um, but basically, uh, it's been described on the can as a classic golden pale ale showcasing tropical Australian and American hops. Mm. Pine. What's that? Aromatics? Yep, yeah, not yeah, bad. Aromatics. Yeah. Not bad by you. And a gentle bitterness. It's Australian owned and Australian made. And we're big fans here we at are, the yeah. Legend Factory Pod. Um, nice looking can, white with a really nice blue juxtaposition. 
branding, um, big fans. We'll post it on the on the socials later on. Go and get yourself a six pack. Yep. Play not, on. Not too uh, not too heavy either. So pretty easy drinking. The uh, Legend Factory might have to have a afternoon down at the uh, the brewery in Port Melbourne. Absolutely. So it says Colonial Pale Ale is brewed by people with a love of what they do, an everyday pale for everyday people. Bit like the uh, Legend Factory podcast, we we love what we do and we love who we do it for. Absolutely. On your cheese boy, like that. Now, it's 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 this time of the week. It's this time of the week where another legend goes into the stable. Into the factory, yes. Yep. So Now, Boz, I hope you've had a really long, hard think about your efforts last week. I have. Because, you, because you basically left one on middle stump. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll get, the, I'll get I've, us going. I've, I've, I've gone and got my uh, working with children's uh, card opened up. Just oh, please, jeez. <laughs> Give it a rinse, oh, would Jesus you? Jesus, jeez. Now, I'm going like to tell the boys a little story. Okay, so I just want you to listen and really take it in. We, we touched on it a little bit, but I've got to talk to you about this fella. Now I'm going to butcher his last name, and that's what Josh just spoke about before, Simon Kajir. Kier. Kier. Has become much... I think if he was going into the factory that you'd learn how to spell his name. Yeah, you'd just or pronounce his name rather. And I listen to a couple of Google now, videos that... Pronounce his name. This guy has become much more than a captain for Denmark. The defender hailed as a rock for his calm, for his calmness, which saved the life of a teammate and close friend in Christian Eriksen. When Eriksen collapsed just before halftime in Saturday's game against Finland at the Euros, time stood still in Copenhagen. Not for Simon, who from his half of the pitch rushed forward to Eriksen rolled him onto his side, stabilised his head, opened his mouth and to prevent him choking on his own tongue. This intervention is deemed decisive before medical staff arrived to administer CPR on the 29-year-old who suffered cardiac arrest. After the medics arrived, even organised his teammates into a semicircle to shield Ericsson from the view of the public. So this bloke this week, although he's an awesome football player, for his heroics on the field and essentially saving one of his best mates... I think he deserves to go into the factory. Who, who does he play his club football for, Boz? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Who does he play for? I don't know. AC Milan, is it? Have I got that right? I don't know, mate. I would have thought you did a bit more research than just trying AC to... AC Milan. I thought you'd do a bit AC more Milan. research than I got trying, it right. to, trying to tug on the heartstrings of AC, the listeners. It's AC Milan. I had it right. Is that right or wrong? That's right. Okay. Yeah, thank you. You had to look it up, though. I didn't look it up. Go on, Chase. Um, you're, not, you're not happy with that one? I'm okay. I just I just feel like it's a common trend from you over the last couple of weeks of, you know, just really reaching in for the heart. Oh, please. Well, um, when we're having our pre-production meeting to work on my efficiency in the, the Euro segment to trim it down a little bit, maybe we should also have a, a chat about legends that we're choosing to go into the stable each week. Um, because I've also gone with Simon Kier, who plays for AC Milan and is, okay. is the captain of Denmark. Oh, oh no! <laughs> That's okay. Oh. That, that means there's pretty good chances going in. Oh. <laughs> Should I not even talk about mine? No, I'd keep it. Save it for another day. I might change um, mine, though. The only, the only thing I would, I would add or was... Or they cancel each other out by default? <laughs> good. He, he, also, he also consoled uh, Ericsson's wife uh, on the pitch as well, so... 
yeah, to me... Go on, Cheese. Talk to us about Simon's career. We want to know what he's done that's legendary other than that hour and a half on the weekend. We're not going to go through his whole career, Josh. It's about what he's done, legend. The he saved his mate's life. The listeners yeah. want to know what... No, the defibrillator saved his life. But if it wasn't for Simon, he, he might have already been dead. Do you say that word, boss? Defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon's yeah, plays for AC Milan. Pl- previously played for Fiorentina, uh, but for me, like Wolfsburg, I think he was at Wolfsburg for a while. as well. Yeah, uh, I, I know more about him than you blokes. I think he was um, linked with Liverpool and, and was Spurs a long time as well ago, yeah. a while ago. Played uh, his great mate Daniel Agger. Yeah, Daniel Agger. Yeah, tats for days. Um, yeah, for me, I, I don't know. Like my understanding of this segment is legendary in like the last week. So I don't think it gets anything more legendary yep. than saving oh, someone's someone's to, life. I have to agree with you, sir. Yeah, um, maybe you haven't heard my legend yet. So yeah, for me, Simon Kier, yeah, big tick. Well done. Congratulations. Um, like it. Yeah, you, you've done an amazing job there to, to keep your mate alive. All right. This is going to have to be one of the great sells of all time <laughs> to convince the two of you that my legend is worthy, worthy of going into the factory. Here but we go. it's none other this week, none other, none other than our great mate, Friend of the show, Stefanos Tsitsipas, who unfortunately, in unlegendary circumstances, went down to the greatest, greatest tennis player of all time. That could hurt your cause. But <laughs> what I found even more profound based on that outcome was that five minutes before Stefanos took the court to play in what was the biggest match of his life, his grandmother died, and that news reached him. Now... What a sad circumstance for the poor bloke who's probably spent the entire day working himself up mentally to go out in court against what can only be described as a pure robot in Djokovic and the stress that would go alongside with thinking how you can beat this guy and then to be given some of the worst news you can ever think of right before you're about to go on court and heroically go out there and still compete and he was two sets to love up to write what would have been one of the great stories of all time and unfortunately fell flat on his face and, and Joker came over the top. But you've got to give massive credit to the guy. He's an up-and-coming superstar of the sport. He put aside his personal pain and anguish to go out there and give his, give his all. And to me, that's legendary. On top of the fact that he's one of the bigger roosters ever to grace <laughs> the ATP circuit. A good head of hair on him too. Beautiful head of hair. Yeah. Beautiful man. And he deserves to go into the factory one way or another. Okay. I think I think any other week is a walk up start. Yeah, I mean, and considering like he he lost the Grand Slam, <laughs> like he didn't even win. The two of you didn't even know who Simon Kier played for. You would have been lucky to get in if he'd won, let alone he lost. Please, it's, it's going to be it's going to be Simon. You do realise that neither of you get to claim this because. No, no, both, it's, it's you I, cancel each other out. I, I was so he actually, goes in, but you cancel each other. I, out. I was assuming it was just going to be a three-way consensus. I, I thought you'd have a heart um, and and would choose. So you so going? He with, lost <laughs> his grandmother. Are you going with Sitsipas? Yes. Oh. The only the only hold thing on. So what Simon Kier did was awesome, right? But what saved Ericsson's life was the medical treatment that he received. You don't know that. They said he was dead. Yeah, but he could have been. He could have choked on his own tongue for all we know. They said when they got out there, he was out. He was dead, and then yeah. the defibrillator revived him. So what Simon Kier did 
didn't necessarily help him too much. <laughs> Are you listening to yourself? <laughs> but, but if Simon Kier didn't do, but I don't think it was about the rolling on the side, swallowing the tongue. It was oh, also the. I'm just having a laugh. What, what, it was amazing, yeah. right? It was amazing. But also equally, what Sisip, the courage that Sissipas showed. As I said, any other awesome. any other week, old Sissipas restart. Walk up, start. He's in. Can we have a, Simon's can in. We have a, He's in. Can we have him in as a first emergency at the end of the year? It's like yeah, all so, the yeah, people yeah. in the factory <laughs> and sits and passes in. You could always put him up next week. If he wins the Wimbledon. Oh, <laughs> if I took one out of your book, Boz, I could, yeah. If he, well, what about if he wins Wimbledon? He'll, he'll go straight in. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's... Well, I don't know if he likes grass, Stefanos. He's not even a well-rounded player. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That's pod, that's pod 11, fellas. Yeah, good one. Thank good. you for coming. Good to be Until back in the factory. Week. Yeah, it's a lot better being in, in person, isn't it? All right. See you, boys. Thanks, Buzz.